Welcome back to Beyond Well. I'm Sheila Hamilton, and this continuing during COVID-19 is a program for people who want to learn more about their interior lives. And I'm joined every week by Dr. Jenna Lejeune and Dr. Brian Goff. Hello, you two from your closets. Hello from my closet to your Hello. closet. Yeah. Hello from a pile of pillows. Uh, that sounds so cozy, Brian. <laughs> I don't want to say I wish I was there because I'm not breaking quarantine either, but I do, it's so nice to see you guys and talk with you. Um, Jenna, last week we were talking about the complex strain on relationships during COVID-19 and how many people are thinking of blowing up partnerships or marriages or long-term relationships because of this added stress. I want to start there with, has this been your experience as a therapist that this is an area of true strain for people and ask you, what are some of the themes that you're hearing? Yeah, I definitely think this is a real strain for couples, even really solid couples, having such a huge disruption in our normal routine lives and then having to sort of be trapped together while we're all going through this is really, really hard. And I am hearing a lot of people talking about, oh my gosh, as soon as this is over, we need to like think about divorce or we need to end this. And, and I'm just really encouraging people that this is not sort of your normal everyday life that you're going to have with your partner. And so you probably don't want to be making, you know, really long-term huge decisions about that partnership based on these temporary circumstances. Um, so I would say that's, that's one big thing. And then the other thing that's coming up a lot is, um, you know, everybody is under a lot more stress. We're all in this pressure cooker. And so there's a, a really significant increase in the hostility and even violence in relationships. Mm. So if you have a relationship where that is a dynamic anyways, um, it's really become uh, something of a powder keg for some of my clients. Um, and so we're having to work around with that. Wow. I want to break both of those things down, but Brian, are you witnessing the same thing? Um, not quite as much. Uh, my, what I'm, what I'm noticing is that relationships that, as Jenna was saying, are already strained, um, they're, this is exposing those cracks, those, those fissures in the relationship. And so it, it ends up being an accelerant on what was already present. I, the, the flip side is, relationships that have been otherwise pretty healthy and understanding so long as they extend grace to themselves and the other person and understanding like everything else that um, their relationship is also running into a headwind mm -hmm. and, uh, and that these are trying times that um, people are actually really appreciative of having their partner there and um, going through it together. So I've kind of had a mixed bag. Yeah. I also heard yesterday I was running another webinar and a lot of young people are saying they're beginning to see roommates, friends, partners that they thought were going to be there for them for the duration of this quarantine period have kind of mm -hmm. flitted out. They've lost what they thought were very good friends. And so I want to include that today in our discussion about relationships because as we know, half of the population isn't married, but they do have relationships with other people. So maybe we can talk about some communication skills when things get really difficult to include them as well. Mm -hmm. I want to go back though, Jenna, to, to this idea of a good marriage. If you had a good marriage before, if you had a good long-term partnership before, 
I, I think it's very difficult for some people to ascertain if they have a good marriage. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, what, what is a good marriage? How would you define that to begin? Yeah, I think it's a really personal thing. I mean, what what is meaningful and satisfying and sort of enriching for you is going to be really different than what it is for me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's part of what I work on with folks is being able to identify, you know, what is for you a good relationship. Mm -hmm. And the metaphor that I use for people often is um, a relationship that is like the salt to your chocolate. Um, Because if you have chocolate all on its own, chocolate tastes fantastic. But if you have chocolate that has just a tiny little bit of salt in it, it doesn't taste salty, but it tastes more chocolatey. And so wanting to be in a partnership um, and have a partner who brings out more of the you, like the good parts of you in you, um, that's kind of what I'm helping people look for in their relationships. So, but again, um, we're in a really different time right now because usually in partnerships, or often hopefully, one person is going through really significant stress. The other person might not be. Mm. But now we're all in the same soup together and everybody's social supports are all in the same soup. And so it's a really hard time, even if you do have a a really solid partnership, I think. Brian, how do you begin the expectation of where the relationship is going to be around that shared understanding that we're, we're just acknowledging how difficult this is to begin with? And then what do you do? Do you set up sort of ground rules for how we're going to be good caregivers for one another? And I'll just give you an example. We just decided to have a score point. Like if we start to snap at each other, I can say to my partner, well, my tolerance level is at about a four and he'll go, great. I'm at a seven. I can take it, you know, Aww. but, but if we both say, no, we're both, we're both at two or one, we just decide to be quiet. And I, I know that that sounds like a very elementary way to communicate, but I do think people need to understand where the other person is with regard to the additional stressors of this pandemic and this quarantine. I like that. I like that little point system. I think that's uh, <laughs> cool. I, the, I think the elements of it that I like most is that you're communicating how you're feeling, mm-hmm. that you're open to it, and you're not, you don't have built-in expectations that you personally Um, shouldn't be affected by this, that you should just sort of muscle up and be okay. And that there's also a tolerance or an acceptance and understanding that the two of you are going to experience this stuff uh, differently and at different times. So not only are you different people, but there are, and I've certainly noticed this myself, is some days actually like meeting with people virtually and not having to wear shoes and, uh, you know, having my kitchen nearby is like, God, I love this. I mean, Uh I don't love the whole thing, but this part of it, I really like. And other days, I just, my, my house feels like Jenna's tiny house. And I just, (laughs) but, but you know what I mean? That from day to day, maybe from hour to hour, you're having different experiences and being willing to communicate that and have grace to each other. It's sort of like having a partner that isn't feeling well medically. Like if you're sick, that's not a time to just sort of press on in the, in the discussion or yeah. uh, 
the conflict. Well, especially, I think what that point spread points out is, okay, if I'm at a three and he's at an eight, maybe he can pick up dinner duties. Maybe he can be the person who fixes the internet. Maybe, you know, um, because the added stressors of home life seem to me to be quadrupled in terms of the amount of laundry and the amount of cooking and the amount of, I don't know what we did before, but it felt lots easier <laughs> somehow. Um, well, is it so, so that's where I look to that point spread is, oh good, you have more tolerance today. Don't you think too, I'm just wondering, not only is it if he's at an eight and you're at a three, maybe he can pick up the dinner duties that evening. But also if you know that you're at a three, maybe you're at a three and that's why he seems like a jerk. Uh -huh. uh, great <laughs> point. Really that great it's point. like, you know, what we see has as much or more to do from the place that we see it than what it is we're looking at. I really agree with that. And kind of going back to your question, Sheila, about how do you know if it's a good relationship? So there are a couple of things that you said that I think are little indicators that the relationship you have with your partner, like those are positive signs. So one is that it's not that one person is always the three and the other person is always the eight. So in, in partnerships, you want to be able to have the ability to be the one that's leaning on your partner and then also to be the one that is leaned on and to be able to have that be flexible. And so the fact that you're kind of able to do that's a really great sign. And then the other piece is just the idea that you could say you're at a three and that mm -hmm. that's okay in your relationship yeah, right. uh, where you don't always have to be okay or on or you know meet all your own needs so i do want to talk about that the division of labor tends to be one of those um, issues that's coming up for a lot of people i know and we've talked about this before just in terms of you never want to turn um, co-equal parenting and co-equal working people you never want to turn the female into the version of doris day and you never want to turn the man into the male equivalent. I think gender roles are really being um, uh, <laughs> tested here, Jenna. Yes. Yeah. I'm definitely noticing that's another theme that I'm hearing. I don't think I said this before, but I had a client say to me, God, it was so great. She said, you know, there's always this argument about whether being a stay-at-home mom is more difficult or being a working mom is more difficult. She said, I have the definitive answer, being both at the same time. That is the most difficult. <laughs> uh -huh. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> and I think that's kind of what's happening for people is that we don't sort of have these this distinction of roles of now I'm at work and so I'm not going to be doing the laundry for you or I'm not going to be making lunch for the kids or for you or whatever it is. And it does happen to be that, you know, most women are socialized and are society is set up so that women do tend to take on more of those relational need meeting things. And that's becoming um, more apparent as people are home more often. Mm -hmm. So, so Brian, in terms of, um, you know, we, we spoke about the kind of powder keg quality that's out there. Mm -hmm. If somebody is in a relationship where there's the threat or even the follow through of violence, isn't that the time that you actually do have to get out regardless of what's going on with COVID-19? Yeah, absolutely. The social distancing is appropriate, but safety, uh, your immediate safety is paramount. And places that are going to be able to respond and support you in doing that are still available and will continue to be available because that's 
I mean, that's the priority. This is the time that, you know, at least in my mind, the COVID-19 thing doesn't matter much. Can I add a caveat to that, though, Brian? I, I totally agree with you sort of in the ideal world. The idea of saying, yes, you need to get out of this immediate situation may not be taking into account things like, what about your kids? You know, are you taking your kids with you? How do you do that? What if you don't have access to a car or transportation? What do you do about the pets that are home? And so I do think if somebody is thinking or hopefully trying to plan to leave interpersonal violence relationship, mm -hmm. there are resources that can help you do that in a safer way than other ways. No question. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, so please do access some of those resources. Like here in Portland, we have Call to Safety, which will literally walk you through the process of how do you set up leaving that relationship, even if it's just temporarily, but to do it in a safe way. I, I couldn't agree more. I think the, the suggestion that I was making was those considerations about doing this in a safe manner and doing this in a way that takes into account things like personal safety and shelter and children and, you know, doing that in a, a more effective way. COVID-19 shouldn't change that equation. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So can we move on to communication and how you begin to identify when the stressors are really high, how you begin to create a, a game plan with your partner or roommates or whomever your significant other is so that things don't get to the point where you're going to a therapist saying, how do I get a divorce during COVID-19? <laughs> <laughs> sure. I think that you have to sort of think of this as you're in a, a really different relationship now. You're with, whether it's your partner or um, friends, roommates, you're now in a sort of confined living situation together. And so I do really encourage people to do a check-in. In the morning is often a great time to do that, but you know, for some folks, it's at the end of the day, just to check in with how are we doing, what's your life look like today, what's my life, and then the question of, is there something I can do to help make your life easier today? Like, just mm -hmm. imagine if your partner or your roommate asked you that, and imagine like asking that of your partner or roommate and really being willing to sort of like try and meet each other's needs. That is going to go a long, long way. But I think you have to have those direct conversations these days about that. Yeah. And to that point, Jenna, being able to actually say, here's what I need instead of withholding and trying to do everything on your own and being that hero oh. for people, which ends up always exploding in one's face. So I really Oh like my that gosh. Tip. A personal example for me is, so I have a really strong need around uh, sort of my own space, even though I live in a tiny house. And so one of my needs was, I just, I need to have a little corner of our house that's mine and that you like knock on the door if you're going to come into the space. And mm -hmm. my concern about telling my partner was I didn't want to hurt his feelings. Like mm -hmm. I can't stand to have you around. That's not at all it. But what was happening was I was getting super snarky all the time when he was coming into my space. <laughs> so we finally had to have a, a conversation about it and it works great. Yeah. That's hilarious. I heard that from a friend who um, her husband got laid off and he was constantly bringing her tea in her office. <laughs> like, I don't want another. Having cup of tea. 
I just want a space for myself. Yeah, okay. That's exactly it. And that idea that it's like it could hurt the person's feelings that you need your own personal space or you need to go take a walk. Just remember, you know, you may be living in a home that you really love, that you like your house, you like the way it's decorated, you, you intentionally live there. But if you're like me, you're kind of sick of staring at the walls. The fact that you might need a little distance from your partner or be like, I, I need to go take my nightly walk. And if that's not going to be a walk that we take together. That's mm-hmm. sort of my walk. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, is it like, oh God, what's wrong with us? This means you don't like me. No, not at all. It's like anything else, right? You know, you might love your, your in-laws or a really close friend or a family member, but do you want to be around them 24-7 for days and days and days and days and weeks and potentially months? Probably not. So yeah, I, I think some of that irritation or need for distance or need for personal space should not be interpreted as some sort of a canary in the coal mine of this is what's happening to our relationship. There's a flip side of that as well. In addition to being needing to be able to ask for your own space and have that need met. I also think it's super important for couples to have intentional time together. Mm -hmm. So it's so easy right now to think, oh my God, I just spent the entire day with you like seven feet from me. I've spent a lot of time with you. But that time isn't really bonding or connecting time. And so I'm really encouraging couples to make sure or, or friends or whatever it is to make sure that they are having every day time that they're intentionally doing something playful together. Mm -hmm. So for us, we're playing a board game every night or, you know, you might cook dinner together, but something that isn't just about like occupying the same space together, I think is super important. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, in the popular love language that a lot of people talk about, Right now, people are sort of questioning how highly they rank quality time. Like, oh, I thought I liked quality time. (laughs) (laughs) And I think to your point, Jenna, that's not quantity time. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Indeed. Um, I do want to try to give a nod to the number of people who have created these kind of new families and quarantine teams um, that perhaps they were not a girlfriend or a significant other, but a, a new roommate and the challenges of that. I read a hilarious tweet that said, during quarantine, even slobs love neat freaks. Meaning that right now it's so important to honor one another's space and try to keep things just as tidy because the chaos around us is really intense. Do you guys hold that as a value during this time? That's a hard one for me to answer because I think I I hold uh, a degree of tidiness uh, kind of all the time. So. Yeah. <laughs> But but I think your point, Sheila, isn't isn't just about tidiness. It's about being respectful of sharing space with other people, including people you might be sharing space with that you haven't done so before. So I know lots of people who are now sheltering with their partner's family or, you know, they're sheltering mm. with a different set of friends than they might normally. And so absolutely respecting other people's space. And that's, again, I think where communication comes in, really making sure that you are communicating, hey, how is this going is is pretty important. Do you guys have any other tips that you want to share on getting through this, especially quarantine era, intact? I guess one, one point that um, a lot of my clients have been talking about that they feel 
really stressed about is their sex life right now. Mm. So I, so I guess I just wanted to sort of normalize that, you know, there's sort of this fantasy that if you're locked in your home with your partner with, you know, no place to go, you're just going to be fucking all the time. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't heard that from a single person. It's the last thing on their minds. (laughs) Exactly. But people aren't sort of talking about that quite as much. And so that's another thing my clients are saying, oh my gosh, what does this mean? And I just really want to normalize that the things, the routines, the the patterns that you have in your relationship are going to be very different right now. And I wouldn't use those as like the telltale that there's something wrong with your relationship. Yeah, I I completely agree. Brian, Jenna, thank you so much for these weekly check-ins and um, especially to people who are quarantining at home and still listening. We so appreciate it. If you could give us a thumbs up on where you listen to podcasts, that would be wonderful. As always, our thanks to Cedar Hills Hospital and the Foundation for Excellence in Mental Health Care for their support of this program. Thanks again, YouTube. We'll see you next week.